to the book of Jude. <clears throat> you can pick the chapter. I don't care. Any chapter in the book of Jude. <clears throat> if you don't know where Jude is, go to the index at the back and hang a left. And then when you get to the book of Revelation, Jude is the book just before Revelation. And it's just one chapter. So you can pick your chapter. So <clears throat> we'll be there in a minute. We're, it'll be a little while before we get there. So you'll have plenty of time to find... Uh, <clears throat> okay, uh, we are on page uh, 86 of our book. Oh, thank you, thank you. 186, page 186 in our book. We have uh, been talking about. We've we've talked about. Uh, biblical uh, authority in all matters, uh, the autonomy of a self-governing um, uh, power of the local church, uh, the priesthood of the believers, the two offices within the church, uh, individual soul liberty. Uh, last uh, week we uh, talked about separation of church and state, and <clears throat> this week uh, we are going to be talking about our next one, and that is two ordinances. These are, this is something that is important to the local church. Yeah, we're going through the Baptist distinctives. Uh, said that in our book here, um, and uh, uh, the two ordinances. Um, this is this is something that is really very important. Uh, who can, without looking at the book, who can tell me what the two ordinances are? <laughs> Okay, there we go. <clears throat> it would help if I looked up. Okay, so <clears throat> okay, baptism and the Lord's and the Lord's table, Lord's supper. What's another word for it? Communion, Lord's Lord's supper, Lord's table. Uh, it's all the same thing. Um, I don't usually use the word communion so much, although it's a good word because we it is a time where we're, we should commune with God. Okay. Uh, I don't prefer the word just mainly because it's very Catholic, you know. So, so for for ex-Catholics, they don't really like that word. So I tried not to use it, but there's really nothing wrong with that word. Um, <clears throat> but there's two ordinances. How important are these ordinances? Okay, very important. How important? Very important. <laughs> we know that. Okay. <laughs> Very important. How important are they? Uh, I'm sorry. Okay, as far as the as far as the Lord's Supper goes, he says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So the the Lord's table, um, and well, let's go ahead and read what the book says, and then we'll 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 add to it. Um, uh, baptism, Lord's Lord's table. Uh, these are ordinances which. <clears throat> excuse me, not sacraments. Now, <clears throat> let me stop there. <clears throat> the, the cat, and I, I want to be careful here because my goal here is not to beat up on Catholics. Okay, that's not my point here. But my point is to teach you false doctrine. Okay, uh, the Catholic churches, the Catholic Church teaches 
something called transubstantiation. Okay? <clears throat> and what that means is that when you take the the you take the sacraments, the 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 elements that they literally turn into the the body and blood of Christ. <laughs> Excuse me, that is not nowhere in Scripture. Okay, that is a man-made um, uh, uh, doctrine, and and it's a false doctrine. Okay, it is just for a remembrance. It is a time for us to remember what God's done for us. So it's really, really important we get it right. And it's something that we are to take seriously. Now, for those of you that uh, were here uh, this morning and and Wednesday night, I announced that um, Sunday the 26th, we will not be having an evening service, but we're going to have a very special morning service and we'll be doing the Lord's table uh, at the at the morning service so <clears throat> uh, it is a it is a special time for believers to spend time communing with God and remembering what God's done for them uh, <clears throat> let's continue reading uh, they have no part underline the word no that it has no part in salvation and only serve as pictures of what Christ did for us. Both of them should only be performed under the authority of, the, of a local church. Now, how many of you know that when the prisons are open, that I, I have been allowed to go into the prison and minister to the inmates? Most, most of you know that. <clears throat> One of the things that I have done in there is I have done the Lord's Supper in the church in the in the services, and I have baptized uh, the inmates that are saved. But I just read that it is the authority of the local church that that you do those things. So what I did, I don't know if any of you remember this. Okay, Rick remembers back when I first started going to the prison. And they asked me to do these things. I would not do them until Grace Baptist Church authorized me as an extension of our church to be able to do those things. Because I strongly believe it is the authority of the local church's responsibility to do these things, not individuals. Okay? <clears throat> Any questions on that? Because that, that is kind of touchy, Yes. Oh, oh, oh! Absolutely, I get I get letters periodically of, uh, from guys, um, uh, a few guys, and and yeah, they believe that they're members of our church. Uh, we I have two two inmates that uh, will periodically send us money. Um, I, I, well, yeah, they send us they send us their tithes, and and which absolutely blows my mind, but you know it's the biblical thing to do. So, so yeah, there are, there are members of the church, you know, now, you know what I mean. They, they believe that they are, and praise God for that. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, uh, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, we look at baptism 
at length uh, in Lesson 4, which we did, uh, so we won't review it here. But uh, let's take a moment to understand the Lord's Table, um, uh, sometimes called Communion. Uh, well, we already talked about that. Uh, Jesus himself instituted the Lord's Table the night before uh, he was crucified. His instructions to, uh, he instructed us to regularly uh, observe it as, uh, as a church, taking time to remember his sacrifice for us to examine our lives uh, for sin that we would uh, hinder, that that would hinder our fellowship with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. For I have received of the Lord that which also I declare unto you, that the Lord, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink, eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Now these are, <clears throat> it goes on further, um, talking about the, the sincerity of the Lord's Supper. It's something that we should not take lightly. Um, it's something that is it, it, God considers it serious business, if you would. Um, I asked earlier, why are these two ordinances so important? Anybody? There's a, there, okay, well, we're, we're absolutely, we're told to do it. Anybody else? Do you have any clue how many of our spiritual forefathers sacrificed their lives because of these two ordinances? The name Baptist on our church is a identifier, if you would, of not a religion, but a faith. Anybody know where the name Baptist came from? Okay, Be, a lot of people think it is because we baptize, okay? But they're, they're, just about every quote-unquote Christian religion baptizes, okay? So, so no, that's not, that's not why we're Baptist. Okay, good guess, though. Um, anybody else? Brandon? Okay, Anabaptist, <clears throat> if you go back into the Dark Ages, there was a group of Christians called Anabaptists. And <clears throat> they were rebaptizers, or more specifically, what does the word Anna mean? Against. They were against baptism. <laughs> okay? No, they were, they were against baptism. But what kind of baptism were they against? Infant baptism. The, the Catholics, the, the, the Pope and the, all the Catholics called them Anabaptists because they would not uh, 
accept infant baptism because <clears throat> it's not here. Okay? <clears throat> see, see and, and we talked about it extensively in chapter 4 when we went through chapter 4, but I want to cover it very quickly here. <clears throat> baptism, when a person is, is saved... They are as the, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to get baptized. The first first thing, a step of obedience, is to get baptized. Baptism is a picture. It has nothing to do with our salvation, but it is a picture that a person, when they're saved, <clears throat> going into the water, pictures the death of Christ and the burial of Christ. When they come out of the water, it is a picture of His resurrection. It is also a picture of a person dying to their old self and then raising to walk in, in, in a new life. So it is a picture. It is, it is an outward expression of what is taking place on the inside. Now, why is that so important? Because an infant can't make that choice. Okay? It has to be done after a person reaches a certain point in their lives where they realize the difference between sin, right and wrong, they choose to, to get saved, then the Bible says they are supposed to get baptized. So originally what we know of Baptists today were persecuted in the Dark Ages because they were Anabaptists, or they were against the Catholic practice of infant baptism. Any questions? I just threw a lot of stuff out there. So <laughs> any questions? Because this is important stuff. Because persecution to the New Testament church is coming. And it's going to be over things like this. Any, any questions? Okay. <clears throat> um, the next, your next blank here, separation uh, <clears throat> and personal holiness. Uh, we believe uh, that, the, that, that uh, Christ ultimate, Christ's ultimate sacrifice demands our complete um, consecration and we uh, desire that our daily lives would reflect the holiness of our great God. We believe that members of the church should live uh, a life that is distinct from the world. Second uh, Corinthians chapter six verse fourteen, and be not e unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness? with unrighteousness, and what communion hath uh, uh, light with darkness? Now, somebody tell me, what is the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14? What is the context here? Yes, it is marriage. Okay, it is talking about a saved person and an unsaved person coming together in marriage. Now, um, <clears throat> is it limited to marriage? Business partnerships. Okay, business partnerships. 
Uh, there was a there was a time back when I had a construction company. Um, I, I toyed with the idea. In fact, I made the mistake of getting a partner, um, which was not a good idea. Um, but um, it, it wasn't because he was unsaved. He was saved. It just he had a different business philosophy than I did. Um, so <clears throat> the context can be used in a business partnership. Uh, it can be used. How else can it be used? Uh, I would I would say a close friendship, okay? Uh, because we are to mingle with the unsaved, are we not? Um, so, um, any any other ways we can we can use this verse? Okay, <clears throat> the the book goes on. Uh, uh, these uh, eight briefs uh, beliefs, excuse me, uh, uh, are a top end picture of the basic teaching and practices of the church in the New Testament. The church is not an organization as much as it is an organism, a living, functioning body of believers who are saved, baptized, and um, organized to fulfill the New Testament instructions of the church. So, And I believe that. Uh, the the New Testament church is an organism. It is constantly changing, and the Word of God is our 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 instruction book. If if you would, any questions before we move on? Because I'm going to go in another direction here, real quick. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, under separation. Um, he he specifically talks about personal separation. The fact that that you know Paul Paul calls us a, a peculiar people. That you know we should be different than the world around us. Um, you know it's, it's it's you know we've talked about it many many times here at the church. But there is something else called ecclesiastical separation, and that is where um, our church is not going to get involved with an ecumenical prayer meeting. You know, and the reason for that is because ecumenical, that means uh, religions of any, of all faith. Okay, that's what that word means. Because I don't want to go to a prayer meeting where a Muslim is going to be praying because that he's not praying to the same God I'm praying to. I can't. I cannot be a part of that. So that's. So it would definitely be a part of that. <clears throat> so, anything else? I'm sorry. Oh yeah. No, I hadn't read the book yet. She's she's read it, but I hadn't. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions before we go on? Well. <clears throat> As we were reviewing this, uh, Brandon wanted us to add an R to this list. To he, he thinks that every Baptist church ought to be a reclining church <laughs> and that we should put electric recliners in for everybody. And <laughs> all those in favor. <laughs> I would be I would be talking to a bunch of sleeping people right now. I guarantee you. 
<lacht> ja. <lacht> But uh, so he 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 thinks we should be Baptisters. So, so somehow we got to put an R in there for him. So Brandon, you you can put a recliner back there, and you, you know we'll just we'll wake you up when we're done. <laughs> um, But I do want to add, I do want to add one more S to uh, to this to the so we're Baptists, okay? Um, one of the one of the characteristics that really um, identifies or or is is I, I won't say unique because it's not technically unique. But it does identify most Baptists, and that is this idea of the security of the believer. Uh, so we have an, another S here, okay? The security of the believer. Um, it is. It is. <clears throat> there are two mainline doctrinal. Problems, I guess you would say, in our world today, that's kind of consuming Christendom. Um, one of them is Calvinism, which is the opposite of the security of the believer. Um, but does anybody know what the other one is? Okay. Yes, but there's a name for it. Arminianism, okay, and you think, what in the world is Arminianism? Well, again, you have to go back in in church history, back several hundred years, <clears throat> to the Arminian uh, region of the world, and they they had a teaching that you could lose your salvation, and it is very prevalent among the Presbyterians and some of the other um, new evangelical churches today. Um, Pentecostal churches teach this. Well, yeah, not not all of them, but it's it's kind of very popular within their ranks. Um, so I want to I want to talk about this because it it can be a a huge problem for people, uh, and a, a lot of people have have, for lack of better terms, they've bought into this idea that I can lose my salvation. So I want to I want to talk about it for a second. When, when people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, um, they, are, they are brought into a relationship with God that guarantees our eternal security. Okay, so let, let's talk about it. Uh, hopefully you have found the book of Jude by now. Um, <laughs> uh, Jude, uh, let's look at verse 24. It says, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Question. Is God, is God powerful enough to keep a believer from falling? Yes. Absolutely he is. We just read it. He is he is he has the ability to keep us 
from from falling. He wouldn't be too much of a God if he was not able to do that, would he? He would be a small G God. It is up to him, not us, to present us glorious. Let's read verse 24 again. And unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. It is up to who? God to present you, not you. Our eternal security is a result of God keeping us, not us maintaining our salvation. I want you to get this because this I, I deal with this a lot with people. If we if 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 our salvation was up to us to maintain <laughs> we would be in big trouble exactly Well, I, I am getting there. Okay. <laughs> go ahead and go ahead and stay there. I'll have you read it. Okay. Um, uh, turn over to, to to the book of Titus. <clears throat> turn over uh, to the book of Titus. Say that. If you don't know where Titus is, just keep going to the left a little bit. You'll come into it. And it's the last book of the T books. So. For Second Thessalonians, for Second Timothy, and then Titus. Titus chapter three. Verse five. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of of the re, of regeneration and and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So, <clears throat> okay, go ahead and read John ten twenty seven to thirty. Okay, we are given a word picture here, and oftentimes when I have the opportunity or the privilege, I guess you'd say, of leading someone to Christ, I like to take them to this passage in John, 
And I like to explain to them the word picture here. What is the word picture? When a person gets saved, we are placed in the hand of Jesus, are we not? Then we are placed in the hand of God. And it says, no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. If that isn't a picture of security, I, I don't know what is. I was talking with somebody one time who was, I, I forget why, but they were mad at God. And they said, well, and I told them, I said, you can't unsave yourself. I said, and, and they were like, well, I want to be unsaved. I said, okay, but you can't. And I, I, read this, I read this passage to him. And well, th- but that says that no man can pluck them out. It doesn't say I can't jump out. <laughs> okay, you know, I mean, you know, you can only, I, I, you know, I'm not going to argue with people, but, but the, the, the point is, I'm sorry. Okay. You're going to read it? <laughs> You're the one who brought it up, man. I don't, you know. Turn, turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> Look at verse 30. Or, or 30? Yes, yes, verse 30. Yeah, I was reading the wrong verse. Verse 30, it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Okay, what what day is that? (laughs) Hallelujah day, okay? So we we are sealed until the day of redemption by who? By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed us until the day of redemption. Now, I met somebody one time that I wish I could be them because they had reached a point in their life where they didn't sin anymore. Well, as soon as they reached that point and they told me they sinned, because that's called pride. But I'm serious, this, this person really believed that at that point that they had reached the point in their life where they, 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 they could not sin any further. But man, that would be awesome. I sin all the time. If a believer did not have eternal security, we would live in fear. I had a I had a discussion one time with a, a pastor friend of mine, and he is a friend, but he, but he and I disagree on this subject of, of eternal security. 
And I just simply asked him, I said, how in the world do you constantly stay right with God? I mean, I, I mean that, that would be, I, I don't know how I would do it. Either that or I'm just really, really carnal and get in a lot of trouble. I said, and, but I said, what would happen if somebody cut you off in traffic and you got angry with them and then, and then they hit you and you died before you could confess your sin? Oh, he says, oh, God has provision for that. Where? <laughs> Show it to me. Well, you know, you can't expect God to, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, it's your doctrine, not mine. Oh, and then at the at the end of our discussion, and we, and we did, we we discussed it very politely, and it, it, we did not get angry. It was very, it was really a very good conversation. And at the very end, he said, he said, Ricky, he said, let me tell you, the truth is, I hope you're right. He said, I have to teach this because of the denomination that I'm in. And I just, my heart broke. So your denomination trumps the word of God. How scary. And he, and he, as far as I know, he and I are still good friends. When, when we do see each other, it's very, very pleasant. And, and <clears throat> who can quote John 3.16? Okay, if not, not 16 people at once. Okay, so one person. Everlasting life and should not perish. How can we have everlasting or eternal life if there's a condition involved? Okay? It does not say that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord and sin no more shall be saved. Right? There is no if in that in that in that statement. God died so that we could have eternal life. Eternal life. If if our eternal life was tied to a condition, would it be a gift from God? No. Okay, now Terry here is a really smart guy. Okay, really smart. <laughs> yeah, he's a nurse. Yeah, and he works for the VA. Good for you. <clears throat> but let's just let's just say he he comes up to me next Sunday, and, and I would really like you to do this. Um, but he he has a lathe. You know what a lathe is? Uh, it's a woodworking tool. He's got a lathe in his garage that I, I need in my in my shop. You have no more room. <laughs> <laughs> but let's just say Terry comes up to me and he says, he says, he says, Pastor, he says, you know, I want I want to give you my lathe. Uh, all, all you have to, you know, just come and get it. So so I I I I, I mean I leave church early. I just say, Amen, we're out of here. Um <laughs> 
I go, I go home, get my truck and my trailer, take my little trailer over there, and, and we're loading it onto the trailer, and he says, oh, by the way, there's one condition attached. Yeah, he gets to use it. <laughs> Whenever he wants. No. Uh, uh, is, is that really a gift? If there's a condition attached? No, it's not. It's not a gift. So you can give it to me, okay? Just saying. No, honestly, I don't have room for it. I, I really don't. If we could lose our salvation, then the statement in John chapter 3 and verse 16 of having everlasting or eternal life would be an error in Scripture. Would it not? And that's just one verse. Turn to Romans. I, I, I love... I love this passage in Romans because it, 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 it is, it, it, it's, it's just a beautiful passage. I believe it is the most powerful argument that can be made for eternal or, or um, eternal security or <clears throat> um, what's the title of it? My, uh, security of the believer. That's totally one blank. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 38. I'm surprised none of you came up with this. Verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Now, how many parents do we have here? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Okay. Those of you that are parents, did your kids ever do something really stupid? How many times? They still do, okay? Those of you that are children, which if you're alive, you are a children. Um, uh, <clears throat> did you ever do something stupid? And still do, okay? Now, my, my point is this. If a child does something that is unwise, does that child cease to be the child of the parent? No. Now, now, what can happen to a relationship when the child has, quote-unquote, gone astray? Okay, can it, it can strain a relationship, can it not? Uh, uh, a parent can, can be incredibly disappointed in their children. And if you, if you have children... It's just part of the process. And the relationship can be strained. But there is nothing 
absolutely nothing that can separate the fact that they are your child. Now, you can disown your children, and you can write them out of your will, and you can do all of this stuff, but you cannot unborn them. Yes, you can't, you can't do it. Now, let me give you a little Nevada history here, <clears throat> or, or legal advice, I guess, something. If you get mad at your children, you can write them out of your will. Did you know you could do that? Okay. You can totally, you can just write them out. The best thing is to leave them a dollar, okay? And if you're like me, that's everything, okay? <clears throat> well, okay, so anyway, you can disown, you, you can disinherit, disown your children out of your will, whatever, boom, gone, okay? But if your child happens to be adopted, you cannot do that. You, you, it is absolutely, and this is true, the last I heard, I, I don't know if it's still current, but the last I heard, every state in the country is the same way. You cannot disinherit or disown an adopted child. And we happen to be adopted into the family of God. Do you happen to know where that law comes from the Bible. Because if you go to, I believe, it's in the book of Le Leviticus, when a, when a child was adopted into a family, they could not disinherit that child. Why is that so important? Why did, why did God... Write that into the law. Exactly. To prove to us that once we are saved and we have been adopted into the family of God, not only can we not lose what God's given us, but He, even if he wanted to, legally, God has to keep us inherited, if you would. Yes. It's there. <clears throat> Our eternal security is based on God's love for whom he redeemed. It is not based on your good works. We cannot... Okay, <clears throat> we, we as Baptists will often say, you cannot earn your way to heaven. Is that not a good statement? That is an excellent statement. We cannot earn our way to heaven. And we can't earn our salvation once we are saved. We cannot, let me, let me rephrase that, we cannot maintain our salvation by works. It's impossible. We can't do it. Our eternal security 
was purchased on the cross by Jesus Christ, promised by the Father, and sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. So <clears throat> that's the extra S. <laughs> I hope it has been a help to you. Any questions about this? Because this is, this is a big problem. I know a lot of people that struggle with this. Well, I didn't. Uh, we're, we don't have time. So, um, one of the one of the things that that this that, that this pastor friend of mine uh, that he brought up as an argument to Arminianism, he said, "But so you you mean to tell me that a person can get saved and then go out and do whatever they want, and that they can live whatever way they want?" And I said, "You know, actually, actually that's true because there is such a thing called." We talked about it last week. Individual soul liberty. We have the right to, to do what we want. God has given us the freedom to make our own choices. And if a person is saved and they want to live like the world, I feel sorry for them, but it's their, it, it, God has given them the right to do that. Exactly. They are going to have no relationship with God. Their relationship with God is going to be strained, but God has promised to sustain that relationship. And he will stand and give an account for it, absolutely. And that's why I say I feel sorry for that individual, but, you know, he he, he did bring up another point, and that is, well, as the pastor, it's my job to keep people in line. I said, find that in the Bible. I'm not I'm not your Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, as a as a Christian brother, it's my responsibility to come to you and say, hey, I've seen some things in your life. You know, maybe, you know, is there anything I can do to help? Whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it's not my job as a pastor to pass judgment on you. That's not that's not my job. Did I see a hand? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Right. We shall. Okay. Okay. The Bible says that Christians will be known by their fruit. Okay. No, there's no question about it. My father-in-law used to have a saying. Used to drive me nuts, but he used to say it all the time. He said, and it, but anyway, um, he used to say, I, "I'm a fruit inspector." And, and that's when he would he would criticize people. That's the way he would like to criticize people. But, but he, he was right. If a person who claims Christ but has no fruit, then we have to question whether or not they had a head knowledge or a heart knowledge. The, the longest distance in the world is 18 inches, about that far, from the head to the heart. We can have a head knowledge of the fact that we're sinners and a head knowledge that I need God in my life, 
But if I don't make it out of my heart, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It, it has to be a heart thing. And if a person makes a head knowledge decision, and it never makes it to the heart, then absolutely there will be no fruit. But but that's not a call we can make because we don't we don't know what God's doing in their in, in their hearts and lives.